We're slovenly, we're feelingy, we're really kinda dumb. We're Terry, Shar, and Lissa, all here to have some fun. So guard your holes, let's make some rolls and talk some D&D with the cave troll. I think so, but I do have a washing machine going on that I cannot stop. Nope, can't hear it. You sound good. Well, hopefully if uh, Terry is recording like through Discord, the noise canceling stuff will take out the... you sound great. Yeah, because we can't hear it through Discord. Honestly, it would be run the washing machine more often. So hope it stays that way too. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think we're good to go. Uh, thank you for indulging me, Chardet, so the coffee could kick in. I appreciate it. You're so welcome. Anytime. I'm always here to vamp because, um, like Liz, I am part vampire, but she's like the cool part. And I am the one that just feeds off of, like, psychic energy from what we do in the shadows. Just, like, tell stories until, like, slowly the life drains out of somebody. And I'm Guillermo. I'm just your ghoul that sometimes feeds you guys (laughs) and puts dirt from the the homelands underneath (laughs) your your, uh, uh, casket. Yes. Yeah. Perfect. Yep. That makes a lot of sense, actually. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Cave Trolls Podcast. My name is Terry Smith, and you're listening to the only TTRPG show that gives you all the nerdy news you need to know about. Um, If you get it from somewhere else, you're wrong. Stop it. Um, Come here, and we'll give you just a a piece, just really the piece that we wanted to talk about. Um, I've been trying not to put every single new game possible that's coming out on this show, because we'd be here for nine hours. A lot of TTRPGs get released every single day. Um, So I tried to whittle this down to some games that I kind of want to talk about, and I was able to find information on. So uh, without further ado, with me, I have two special co-hosts today. Um, they're not special as in, like, they're not the normal co-host. They're just special. Um, <laughs> one half of the Slimely Trolls, Chardet, how are you doing today? I'm feeling not very special anymore. Oof. Thank you, Terry. No, um, no, you are special. You are special. It's just, like, when I say an extra special guest, they're thinking, like, oh, we have a guest host. No guest host. Normal normal host. You're just special. <laughs> I was trying You're to You're really, compliment. really driving. Um, I it did not feel I like understand. one. All right. <laughs> All right, and the other half of the Slavomy Trolls, apparently you being special to me is not special overall. <laughs> Lissa. Hi, I'm always special. Thank you. There you noticing. go. There you go. See, she gets it, Shar. God. I uh, get it. Anyways, first up, we have our bits and bobs section where we talk about all the games and supplements that are coming to a TTRPG table near you. First up, we have Hamsters and Himbos winning the best title of the day award. Um, I actually found out about this game through Threads. Lissa sent me a link, and it was very interesting because you can't view Threads on a PC, um, but you can view posts on Threads (laughs) from Mm -hmm. PC if you have the direct link. Uh, Zuckerberg, get your shit together. Um, so let's explain hamsters and himbos. Giant hamsters have appeared in Willowdale. Their flowing, shining coats tell of pampered creatures on a rich diet full of keratin. However, the townspeople are terrified and have no clue where these creatures came from or why they are here. Children ride them like ponies as they devour all the flowers and uproot old Harold Pristine Lawn. He has manicured to perfection over 70 years. The roads through town are impassable as they bask in the streets. Poor Edna was even trampled by their dainty paws while shooing a group off her porch with a wash rag and is still in the hospital. That's when you, the president of the local book club and self-proclaimed gumshoe, knew exactly who to call for help. Three himbos with courage as big as their muscles. Big thighs, big arms, and big hearts. 
may not be the brightest bulbs in the box, but they sure know how to make things happen. Paired with your deductive reasoning and strong sense of plot cliches, the four of you embark on the investigation of a lifetime across Willowdale to uncover clues and discover the truth behind the giant hamsters. Um, this is a solo game. I know it doesn't sound like that. It does. Oh, it is. I was so surprised. It sounds like a co-op thing. I but didn't I guess it, so the first time I read this, Lisa said this to me last week, and I was like, "Oh my god, we have to play this." And then I read it as a solo game. I was like, "Why well, did not see that coming?" Um, mm-hmm. much like the rest of the prompts. So, um, so it's a journaling game. It's got the prompts, locations. It combines the dice mechanics as well, similar to a lot of the journaling solo RPGs that we've talked about, but. But with a very inspired setting, I love the idea that it's uh, Murder, She Wrote <laughs> meets uh, Himbos, I guess. I don't even know what to combine yeah. that with. Yeah. Um, so you're using D4s through D12s and combining that with your journaling prompts. It sounds like a fun time. Uh, very, very specific. Very niche, I would say. Uh, but mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, Lisa, I'd love to hear your thoughts since you're the one who found this and brought it to me. It had two things that I like, hamsters and himbos. And <laughs> I was <sold. laughs> Immediately. It was like a no-brainer. I saw hamsters and himbos, and I'm like, oh, yep, there we go. Yep, love <laughs> the it. The subtitle is The Small Town Mystery of Unmatched Thickness. <laughs> Thick with two, Ex- C's. two C's. Exactly. Exactly. Like, there's there's <laughs> nothing about this that I don't love. Like, <laughs> obnoxiously. Like, I obnoxiously love this. Everything about it. The the thing that I love too is the marketing on it has has essentially conflated the himbos and the the hamsters. So like all of the hamsters are drawn and quoted like himbos. Like they see things like sup and have like like really like douchey hair. And I'm like, wait, are, are wait, the himbos? I thought were dudes. And then then you had the hamsters. They're like, yeah, no, we don't know. Just we're just drawing shit. Like just come play this damn game. Um, and I'm really into it. I'm, I'm fine about seeing my fans here. Sharday, what are you thinking here? I think it's adorable, and I love the vibes so much. If you himbos is one of my keywords. If you want me to play with a himbo, <laughs> that is absolutely correct. Himbo is also, I think, my default favorite NPC like persona that I go into, just because they're just no thoughts, just vibes. So yes, <laughs> please, all of this. <laughs> Well, I think if you're if you're digging the vibes, Hints and Hijinks has a few other games. That, that's who created uh, Himbos and Hamsters. The whole idea behind the game is each time you gather a clue, you go up a dice roll. So you find a clue, you go up from D4 to D6 all the way up to D12 for your final roll. Um, very, very simple but fun mechanic. I've always really liked the growing dice mechanic. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think that people are going to enjoy it. Please let me know if you check this out. Um, you can pay what you want on the, the itch.io uh, website. Uh, I'll put the link in there. I'm excited to check it out. I haven't had time yet. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see what happens with the hamsters and himbos. Moving <laughs> on, um, tarot-based RPG likeness machines pits a struggling actor against their corporate AI replacement. I love this idea so much. Um, it's also available on itch.io. Uh, I'm going to read from the Dicebreaker article on it from Chase Carter. Uh, while thousands of artists and creators strike in joint worker action between the Writers Guild of America and the Screen Actors Guild, American Federation of Television and Radio Arts, an independently created tabletop game, hopes to raise funds for picket line stalwarts. 
Likeness Machines is the creation of designer and union advocate Pierce Anderson, who is crafting something of a niche by following up Starbucks lampooning Cosmic Latte, which we've covered here, with a quick tarot-based RPG about an actor hoping to make it big and the nascent AI training tirelessly to eventually replace them. The plot of the one- or two-player biography game directly satirizes... Uh, satirizes? <laughs> satirizes! Uh, satirizes Hollywood growing fascination with AI-based technology such as ChatGPT, and it's supposed potential to replace writers and other creative positions within an already precarious and exploitative industry. In fact, AI adoption is one of the major sticking points striking film television workers want addressed from their list of demands. I love this idea... It is a pretty simple game. The art's pretty cool, too. Like, for it coming out as quickly as it did, like, I feel like uh, they had to have known about the AI something. replacements. Like, they had people talking to them about this, this like, hanging point in the um, negotiations. Because I just found out about this, and I followed it pretty closely, like, maybe two, three weeks ago. Really? Um, yeah, maybe. Maybe it was close Dang. to a month. Like, I've been I've been following. Well, I have a I have a sibling. I have a brother who works mm -hmm. in the entertainment industry. So like he hurt. I've been getting a lot of the hot goss from him. I'm just like, what's the word from mm -hmm. the inside? What do the executives think and stuff? So I've been following this for a while, like months and months. They, and he they knew about the, the negotiating part of like uh, oh, them, yeah. for the background actors, that specific uh, part of it. The not not in so much words like they were trying to steal likenesses, but they knew that AI was a big sticking point. Well, that, because... that I knew, yeah, for sure. But this yeah. specifically references the background actor thing. Um, basically, I think the they had to have like slipped, slipped that in. That that must my, have been like part point. of the mechanic. Yeah, yeah, like that 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 was my saying. Like I, I knew they were trying to replace with AI for a long time. Like especially, uh, do you remember that Robin Wright movie that came out a few years ago that basically predicted it? Um, no. it was like a little indie film. She tried to sell her, um, likeness. She was a big name movie actress, sells her likeness and come like, and, like wakes up to the world knowing, uh, all these movies that she's done, but she didn't do them. It was the AI. Mm. Very similar no, to the Black I, Mirror no. episode they did recently. Um, mm -hmm. but yeah, like this, like this is calling that stuff out. So again, like, like you said, maybe because they've been talking about it, knowing a little bit more, um, uh, it was already kind of in On the, the inside. weeds. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I like how fast they throw together these these games. Like when they did the Cosmic Latte that came out right when the Starbucks uh, people were striking. Um, mm -hmm. Still are, by the way. It's not done yet. So um, pay attention there. Uh, but I I love this. Uh, I, we need to talk. If you got more hot goss, so get off the mic. Let's talk about it. Let's, yeah, well, I'll, I'll give you all the hot goss. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I know mic, a yeah. few people in SAG, and I know people who are like what they call like pre WGA, which really isn't a thing. But you know, like no, the people who are like, <laughs> who are like trying to work out there, and they know people in the WGA. But I don't know anybody yeah. personally. Most of the writers I know write books or comics. Uh, <laughs> yeah, people people who write tv shows don't talk to me that's not a thing um mm. it's it's because of the smell and i don't blame them um <laughs> <laughs> are you trying to make up for making me feel bad with your compliment and now you're just I talking about you feel bad but i'm so sorry you are special <laughs> every day that's you are the special guest that's the point oh man 
Um, but yeah, I'm excited about Likeness Machines. It's free to download or pay what you want on itch.io, so go check that out. It's going to go towards the Entertainment Community Fund which um, and like the other Emergency Strike Funds, which, if you don't know, fund people in the unions and union tangent tangential like careers that uh, need help paying things like rent or surgery because they're on strike and they're not getting paid. So mm -hmm. it goes to a really good cause, a very important cause, a, a cause like near and dear to us that's why we've been talking about it and apparently Sade has the hot goss on um and didn't share it which i'm a little upset about but okay. <laughs> it never came up what do you mean <laughs> well it should have <laughs> i'm sorry i can't read mine oh man uh but yeah go check this out it's tarot based it's pretty straightforward i wouldn't say this is like changing the wheel or anything like that it's it's a lot like a lot of the other tarot based uh single player or two player rpgs you've seen before uh i really like the idea even outside of the strike thing um it's a very niche and novel idea ever since they've been doing stuff like this like on twilight zone so i like the idea of kind of focusing on something small like that but let me know if you check it out lissa do you have any thoughts on this are you striking <laughs> i am striking down the patriarchy that's perfect. what i'm striking. yeah perfect. perfect i wish that uh i didn't have any sort of authority here because i want to be an ally but i am specifically the cause of these problems right now yeah, you, you, Terry, specifically. Yeah, yep. I mean, not yeah, you like, personally. Not the patriarchy in general, but just like in our dynamic. <laughs> Since I, uh, I am the only masculine identifying one here, I just feel like by default, like it's probably my fault, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's a safe bet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Moving on, popular Japanese RPG Fletch, uh, Fledge Witch, inspired by Kiki's Delivery Service and Little Witch Academia, will see an Eng English release. Um, this comes from Matt Jarvis over at Dicebreaker. I'm very excited about this one. I know we've talked a lot about how I was a little sad that Elden Ring wasn't coming right away for an English release um, and that mm -hmm. game was doing really well. And a few other games that I've really dug over the years, RPG wise. Um, in Japan, I've had to find like friends, and I, I have a few friends that speak Japanese, and they'll often they'll put in some translation work for me. Um, they're like, "Yeah, here's here's like uh, crib notes, and I can read a little bit of Japanese, so like I can make do." But when these uh, translations come through, it's super exciting because it's just a different game design philosophy because uh, it's this weird cyclical nature where like D and D inspired a lot of JRPGs, which inspired a lot of TTRPGs in the West. Um, and they kind of evolved, uh, down two different paths. Um, so it's really cool to see these mechanics, uh, pop up that I wasn't privy to in my youth when I was first playing TTRPGs. Um, so a lot of these games that are inspired now and finally getting translations, it's just very exciting to see. But let me talk about Fledge Witch. The Magical Apprentices of Elamiria will localize the magical school RPG set in the fantasy setting of Elmeria, a land where witches have been driven to the edges of civilization by magical catastrophes of the past. Players will take on a role of apprentices led by one player as their guiding witch, effectively taking the place of a typical GM, as well as role-playing as a character themselves. Together, the group will work to help the witch pass down their secret knowledge of magic and earn their teacher's respect. I love the games where the GM gets to play a little bit too. Um, that's uh, As a forever GM, it's always a little special to me when I get to do something around the table. Uh, me and Charday talk a lot about when I don't have an NPC in there, um, I just look sad. So like, it's like, let's find an NPC for everyone to talk to. <laughs> we can move the plot yeah. forward 
Bird and Terry doesn't look so bored. Um, <laughs> so uh, I, I'm excited about this. Any thoughts on Fledgewitch, Sharday? I I I don't really know much about like the system and stuff, but okay. I'm always about more like you know witchy RPGs, like always, always, always. So. Anything that puts that in the forefront, I'm about. <laughs> so, like, to give you a little bit of a primer, uh, I, I hate to generalize uh, a lot of these Japanese TTRPGs because they're not all the same. But this one has some of the flavorings that I was talking about that's inspired by some of their older games and uh, JRPGs in general, like from video games, where it's very mm-hmm. XP-based. Um, it's very much about moving those different bars for your character. Um, so mm-hmm. you can use your experience points by moving one of six uh, crafts. So summon craft, song craft, potion craft, tool craft, and lore craft, and house craft. Um, and so those are different magics that you can learn and that focus on, you know, obviously their namesake. Uh, I really love the idea because it's focusing on everyone's a magic caster. Everyone's doing the same thing. You can really customize it. It very much feels like a good version of like a Harry Potter system um, for okay. lack of a better um, term uh, a little bit more crunchy than something like uh, um, kids on brooms uh, which I which I enjoy very much it's a fun game but it is very light very loose this is a little bit more crunchy uh, a little bit more to dive into with like your skill tree and which talents you pick as you level up um, so you can really focus like hey I really want this to be almost like a bard so I'm gonna po- uh, focus on my song craft which has a lot to do with like charisma and like controlling and charming different creatures whereas like the potion craft is exactly what it sounds like you're you're developing and brewing new potions that can buff your party or poison other people um Mm -hmm. it's it's a very intricate system uh for the aesthetic is all very anime but to me it really does scratch that itch of something harry potter that tolkien didn't touch or tolkien (laughs) (laughs) tolkien didn't touch a lot of this stuff you are correct yes (laughs) tolkien definitely didn't touch this i love that (laughs) that honestly that sells it for me tolkien had nothing to do with this thank you all right i'm in (laughs) that jk rowling didn't touch at all Um, (laughs) good perfect so i don't know if that helps a little bit i don't quite know how to play the game yet i haven't had a chance to get Mm -hmm. my hands on it um i do have a friend who uh, knows the people working on this. So I've been trying to like weasel my way in there. Like, can I get my hands on? They're like, oh, for the show. I'm like, no, for me. Let's uh, let's, let's get a plate test going. Let's do this. Yeah. So I might get an early uh, copy of the translation. So maybe that's something that we can do. Um, but it's not out yet. It's still just on Kickstarter. You can get notified when it launches. Um, Lissa, is this doing anything for you? I know you're really into gothic horror. Not quite here, mm-hmm. but, you know, adjacent. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's giving witch witch vibes, which which oh, which. I probably wasn't getting that. Where are you getting that from? Yeah, yeah. I I feel like you missed that whole thing, Harry. Um, <laughs> you need to pay attention when we I'm talk so to sorry. you. I'm so sorry. Exactly, but yeah, you know, I'm I'm all for witches and something that's crunchy and goes in depth into like anything to do with witches and stuff like that. That sounds really interesting, and I'd be really into sort of seeing what kinds of mechanics it has and what the different kinds of you talked about the song what were the song craft they're all crafts. song craft potion craft yeah the different kinds of crafts that they have to see what those are like and the magical abilities that come with that because i as a first time magic user player in D at the current moment is i'm getting used to like the D magic system mm-hmm. so i'm really interested in how like you would be able to sort of amplify that or like 
change that in a different way to suit something more of a witchy vibe because witches aren't really like a thing in D D or like 5e anyway. not in 5e yeah not yeah. They, they have like the vibes and like they keep coming up in terms of like oh this is somebody as the title of witch but like as for like the witch class being a class you can play it's mostly vibe based not actually yeah, like oh like, yeah play a a druid and make yeah, it, so, you know, like, exactly. yeah so, so i'm i'm really interested in sort of especially after doing sort of research on like the actual witches and sort of the ageism and stuff like that that we did for hags and witches i'd be super interested in sort of seeing what kinds of game mechanics you could come up with that so i'm i'm really interested in this yeah heck yeah um, but I'm really excited. I, I want to check this out. I, I can talk all day about these types of games, so um, we'll probably move a little bit further away, but um, I'm really excited. I'm excited that a lot of these games are seeing the potential in the West and making it a little bit more worth mm -hmm. their while. Um, I'm guessing we're going to see a lot more projects like this, uh, obviously in the TTRPG space, but in general, a lot of times with the writer strikes, that's when you start to see cool projects from overseas, get, um, you, you know, get localized. So I'm just excited to see more of that moving in, uh, to the general nerd space every day. More and more people check out something like anime or pick up a manga, even though they only read comic books. And it's just exciting to see that, that shift not being so afraid of these other games and these companies kind of pouncing on it because i think that the i'm not the only one who's been hungry for these types of games so i'm mm -hmm. excited to see them finally capitalizing it so if you do want to see these go back them when you see them on kickstarter um throw money at it and maybe we'll get more of these games or don't i'm not your mom you do what you want um <laughs> <laughs> backtrack real hard there um next story this is the last one in our bits and bobs section uh swashbuckling surreal sci-fi rpg terminal is the matrix by way of black sails with a dash of twin peaks vr is the pun that matt jarvis put in the article over at dicebreaker which is a good one i gotta give him credit that's, that, a, that's yeah. a fun one um a new indie rpg crosses the reality bending sci-fi of the matrix with the swashbuckling action of pirate series black sails with a bit of dreamlike lynchian surrealism sprinkled on top everything's been crossing over twin peaks lately um yeah is it having a resurgence because i know like the reboot happened a couple years ago i i guess i think really it's just like when that around when this when that was happening you had people like me who were kind of like rediscovering some of those 80s shows that you missed out on because you were a little too young so it was kind of having that fervor and then with the, you know, the reboot happening, people were even more inspired. But TTRPGs take a long time to design and to put out. Uh, so I'm guessing, like, we're just getting hit with that wave of people who are like, yes, David Lynch is I, popular again. Let's start making these games. Listen, what I you're also saying? think I also think that, like, uh, that it's, like, a very much of a niche vibe that goes with the show that, mm -hmm. like, is sort of engrossed in popular culture. So when you say something is like something else you know people know what you're talking about so it's like an 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 easy thing to sort of uh, it's promote easy tag with a vibe it. yeah right yeah, yeah it's, it's 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 an easy word or symbol sort of to to tell you oh this is the vibe oh it's yeah. like twin peaks oh it's like black sails oh it's mm -hmm. like this thing it's like ghibli or something right so <laughs> Yeah, I mean so, it's a good vibe as well, you know. Right, and, and like, and the thing for me is when people tell me something's like David Lynchian, I'm like, oh, so it doesn't make any, make any sense, but I'm gonna watch everything about <laughs> it anyways. I just see, I just when people say David Lynch, I hear artsy fartsy, and I'm just like, ah, eh, well, 
I'm and not sometimes interested. he is, but sometimes <laughs> he's like the best part of RC Fartsy, where he's like, I just thought it looked good, so I did it. And and that's yeah, the end of the sentence, and the, and end of like, the explainer. Yeah, and so like yeah. I've appreciate I've appreciated that about David Lynch, but that's not me pretending. Oh, I love everything he does because I really like a cohesive plot. Um, that is not a thing that he creates. Like I remember when I first started watching Twin Peaks, I was so inspired. I wrote my first mystery novel, um, mm. and I was like, "Whoa, this is so cool!" And then I realized that while there was a mystery there, and he did have an answer to it, that's not really what Twin Peaks is about. Funnily enough, like no, it's, it's not. It's from not what a I murder understand. mystery about this girl who shows up dead. It's really, it's like. Yeah, what if like your dreams could become reality and there's a demon, but I don't say any words <laughs> out loud. I just kind of sometimes show you a lady who's holding a log in a weird red room. You'll you'll pick it up from mm-hmm. there, right? Um, and that's really what Twin Peaks is about. So that kind of stinks as you, if you're there for a murder mystery. But um, to focus back up, uh, I'm excited about this a little bit. I, I do get some trepidation when people say Lynchian, but like you said, Lissa, sometimes people just use it to describe, hey, this is just kind of weird. Um, I'm just throwing some weirdness at you. Uh, so we're going to put that Lynchian tag on there. Um, uh, Terminal effectively takes the still brilliant premise of the Matrix and that Earth's inhabitants are unknowingly living inside of a computer simulation of the modern day controlled by a villainous robot authority, but swaps the flying spaceship seen in Matrix um really real world for pirate ships sailing the seas players take control of these pirates as they swap between battling machines on the waves and plugging back into the simulation known as the terminal in order to defeat the system's agents and architects and awaken other unwitting humans from their virtual confinement so really this is this is matrix with pirate ships um i i like the idea i think it is weirdly as it's like you can describe it with these keywords of other things so simply I think it's still a pretty novel idea. Like, um, you know, it's Matrix with Source, <laughs> as you've uh, heard me talk about before. Um, it's uh, illustrated with Cyberpunk Hues by artist Gormengeist, um, which includes six story arcs, as well as GM advice, setting details, an optional improv character creation process that allows players to make characters and jump into playing more quickly. Um, I don't know too much about the system other than it uses pools of six-sided dice. Um, so it might be similar to Mutant Year Zero, but I haven't got my hands on it before, so I don't quite know. I know it comes from, uh, uh, Kayla Dice's, like, rules light system, so there, it is going to be closer to Mutant Year Zero than not. So Mutant Year Zero, Tales from the Loop, Things from the Flood, T2K, a lot of those, uh, success or failure systems that are a little bit more rules light. Um, I think if you've played those, you're going to have a pretty good get, like grasp on this. Uh, Charday, what are your thoughts here? None. <laughs> Discord booted her. She's trying to reconnect now. That was perfect. Uh, so uh, we'll probably move on. Uh, Lisa, do you have anything to add before we go on uh, out of this section? Not really, not really. But I am shocked that Charday has been at a loss for words because she is not one usually to be at a loss for words. Yeah, I'm gonna edit out the part where we like explain that Discord booted her, so it just sounds like she's just so flabbergasted by this game that she can't uh, talk more. It's just like beautiful. Yeah, just beautiful. completely so into this idea. Probably probably uh-huh. went to play it right now. Actually, yep, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> Oh, man. 
Um, Lissa, have you played anything from Mutant Year Zero? Like anything like uh, Tales from the Loop, uh, T2K, Things from the Flood? Anything of that no, nature? Terry. It's funny enough, you should say I've never been invited to a game <laughs> of Tales of the Loop or anything like that. Well, you know, <laughs> if you want to check out the Vectair, I went on to their character creation podcast and we talked about uh, creating our own characters in Tales from the Loop. And we did a really fun stream. Uh, me and DM Rick. Uh, it, was, you know, it was a good time. If you want to go check that out, uh, you can do that. That might be a good primer for you. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. Uh have you have you thought about doing that maybe? Uh listening to their podcast? Yeah, but also I'm waiting for an invitation to I'm a game media, as well. And this is the Vector. Uh, uh it started up uh, playing. I, I went to the Vector's uh, Twitch uh, site and it just started going. <laughs> uh, I was like, "Oh, did someone invade us?" No. It was uh purely because I clicked the wrong button. I'm so sorry. Lisa, one day, if I run an online game, uh, I just got invited to play a game of Mecha and Kaiju, and I was like, is this going to be for content, or is this just for fun? And they're like, I don't know, we'll see. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's interesting, like, I know you kind of have been in that group of people for a while now, and I'm, I'm a little bit newer to talking to other people other than you two. Um, so, like, I know that's a pretty common thing when you get invited to these. Um, but, uh, I was, I was, like, a little bit taken aback, because I don't have a lot of free time, so, like, if I start doing something uh it's usually like it's usually for content or i'm not doing it that's usually how it works um so these people mm -hmm. are like no i love i love ttrpgs but we'll figure out we might be able to sell it we might not i don't know um so that was just very entertaining to me uh Charday, i see that you're back any thoughts mm -hmm. on the lynchian game that we were talking about um, I mean, I don't think this game is made for me, but that's okay. Um, I think the art's really cool looking. <laughs> but like this, the, the buzzwords aren't buzzwording for me. Like, I don't really care that much about cyberpunk. I don't really care that much about David Lynch. But for the people who do really like that stuff, this seems to check all those boxes. So happy for you. <laughs> what about The Matrix? Never seen it. You've never seen The Matrix? What? I've I seen a movie that you during... haven't. I've seen a movie that you haven't. I well? Somebody, yeah, somebody somebody tried to show me The Matrix, Matrix years ago and I fell asleep. Interesting. Oh. Yeah. The first one came out at a time where I was just a little too young to give a shit. And a lot of my friends were really into it. And I'm like, I, I'm just not mature enough to care about this. I, I didn't watch it right when it came out. I was shown it, I think, after, like, the three of them were released. Like, I think there is only three. I don't really know that much about The Matrix. There is only the three ones. And there was, like, an animated thing, right? Something like that. I was shown it years after, like, all of the content had been released but i don't i just fell asleep <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> I, if i rewatched it i'd probably really like it <laughs> um maybe i really like the first one now um i don't so much like the entire series it's one of those worlds where like i love the idea behind the entire setting like when you jump into the lore it's a really cool idea um, and a lot of their expanded stuff makes the story better retroactively. But I think the the second and third films are just bad movies. Um, uh, story's really cool. Bad films, um, in my opinion. Mm. Uh, and the fourth one, I think, is objectively bad. Is that the reboot, or did that come no, out? No, it's not a reboot. The same time? It's not a reboot. It's a sequel. It's the fourth movie. Oh, okay. It's fine. one of those 20 years later sequels. Oh, I hate those. 
Yeah, I like some of them. <laughs> Sometimes I they, they do good. I think uh, uh, I don't think I don't have like a bias that like when I hear they're gonna make it, it's gonna be bad. I think they can be good. I think more often than not, they're they're not. <laughs> like I, I think a lot of times they are just cash grabs. But I'm not against them. Just like reboots. I like reboots. I love covers. Covers are one of my favorite things in music. That doesn't mm-hmm. mean that the cover is automatically going to be bad. But no. if you don't put the love into it, it's going to be. Yeah, just have your expectations on the floor. And then so when one, you know, exceeds it, you celebrate it, you know? <laughs> so your expectations are on the floor, so it's easier to meet them in exactly. that case. Like uh, some of my favorite Predator movies <laughs> are some of the later ones. Like Prey. Prey is one of the best movies I've ever seen. I love that fucking movie. Uh, and I've Predator's never one seen of my any of those. Ever. You never, never seen, seen any, any of them? I mean, no. you're a big action movie buff, so I'm surprised. That's um, true, yeah. I'm really into action. You know me. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's my favorite genre ever. Oh, my goodness. All right. <laughs> After botching the one last job that was supposed to get them up and out of the irradiated slums of futuristic lower Tokyo, two small-time crooks, Tib and Ren, along with their mentor, Lee, are caught between superpowered gangs, a violent police state, a class revolution, and a leather-clad, pyrokinetic madman trying to burn it all down. Thieves, Family, Flame. Tokyo Will Burn. Written by T.S. Luther, the writer behind Growing Up, drawn by Sky Hawkins, the artist and writer of Exhaust, and lettered by Mike Stock of 32 Kills, Tokyo Fire is a seven-issue limited series that follows two thieves as they navigate the final days of their city and unravel the conspiracy that led to its downfall. With your help, we can jumpstart issue number one and start telling the story of Lower Tokyo's descent into ash. Tokyo Fire comes to the crowdfunding platform Zoop.gg in August. Head on over to Zoop.gg to get notified when the campaign goes live, or go to campykilledcreations.com slash comics for a five-page preview. <laughs> Moving on, D&D's upcoming virtual tabletop radiates a big-budget misunderstanding of what matters in role-playing games. Now, this comes from PC Gamer, and I was very excited when I read this, because this is exactly what we've been saying since... Yeah, it took them long things. enough to uh, catch up. <laughs> exactly. Harvey Randall over at PC Gamer. Um, if you don't check out a lot of video game stuff because you're listening to mostly ctrpg um pc gamer is exactly what it sounds like uh but i really really like their coverage of baldur's gate of uh D more recently with some of these they've been doing a lot of good tech stuff when it comes to vtt that's where a lot of my news comes from for that because they get more into the technical side that you just don't see from something like Dicebreaker, because that's not what it's about like they're talking about the different suite of tools that we could use whereas the pc gamer is like here's how we can run this thing um so go check that out if you're looking for more of the technical aspect but let's read from harvey's uh uh article wizards of the coast bizarre fascination with flashy 3d graphics is a swing and a critical miss update at a creator summit earlier this year jeremy crawford revealed that one DD was intended to be a placeholder name i've updated the article to reflect this i love this idea that they're still saying that one DD is a placeholder name uh yeah i was i just read that and i'm like that's the first time I've heard that. Yeah. But has that just been like me not paying attention enough, or is no, that like? No, no, it's come up a couple times in the last couple of weeks. Uh, okay, okay. Yeah. Is so... it is it because they're made been make 
is it because they've been made uh so much fun of for really, the name? I really think so. I think this is the corporate speak of them saying, "Well, we never said one D and D was the actual name, and <laughs> because there's so much bad stuff around it, we need to backtrack." So yeah, no, it's not called one D and D. What are you talking about? We never said that. Well, we, we never we never claimed that that was the name. Not 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 at all. Not at all. Exactly. So um, coming back to Harvey's article, I think Baldur's Gate Three is going to be great. Larian Studios have taken the right attitude toward adapting Dungeons and Dragons. 5th edition rule set. The tabletop game systems form as the backbone, sure, but it's still been built as a killer CRPG first and foremost, with its own story, identity, and campaign. Larian knows it's building a video game, and they aren't trying to replace anything. Meanwhile, in tabletop land, 1D&D looks confused by comparison. For the uninitiated, 1D&D is a large-scale retooling of Dungeons & Dragons reminiscent of the current 5th edition uh, system uh, Baldur's Gate 3 is built upon, but with a huge update to class structure, spells, rules, and more. While 1D&D was a placeholder name, its moniker's not yet been replaced with anything other than the 2024 rules update, or more confusingly, just 5th edition still. This makes it a little hard to talk about, so for the sake of this piece, I'll keep with the code name. It's also coming with its own bespoke virtual tabletop experience, a flashy big-budget platform with 3D miniatures, spell animations, and more. It's meant to be a new digital way to play the pen and paper RPG, not a video game. Though you'd be forgiven if you mistook it for one, because personally, I couldn't be less interested. Uh, a historic fuck-up with its own open game license earlier this year seemed like an attempt to limit uh, what its competitors could do in the space. Now that it's been walked back, I'm still left with my head scratching at the concept's bones. The tabletop looks pretty slick, as we said recently, sure, but what's the bloody point? Before stepping up on this little soapbox, I want to highlight two virtual tabletops that are currently pretty popular. Roll20 and Foundry. While our Robin Valentine's thrown together a list of his favorites, so you can uh, click that link, please, because that's where I've gotten a lot of my uh, primer for this article. Um, I'm going to lay out why these two programs uh, jive with the way I play D&D for more than one D&D's proposed digital wonderland. So he goes into depth about Roll20 and a lot of stuff that we've talked about. It's really simple. It's 2D. You move your little figures. It doesn't take a lot to plug and play. And Foundry um, is a little bit more for the tinkerer's side. Foundry has has a lot of the other things that you want to put into like you can put in like the fog of war a little bit easier and it has a lot more of the tools like the different sounds that you can add in a whole music suite a lot of what you would want from a fancy version of a vtt mm -hmm. um so with with that primer we can jump into the rest of it so uh <laughs> when you talk about the new one D D vtt um harvey mentions he can't help but be reminded by the differences between the floundering metaverse attempts from companies like meta clean dull and the more anarchic vr chat uh where winnie the pooh can watch while you get a baptism from a licensed priest um, <laughs> I, he swears it's going to make sense in a second. Uh, 1D&D looks like it wants to offer a tailored high fidelity experience, much like VRChat. However, virtual tabletops uh, that have done well are decisively weird and collaborative and communal. They're workshops rather than theme parks. Instead of providing a digital experience, they serve as a way for people to build up that experience for themselves. A glitzy 3D cage not only robs people of the opportunity to use their imagination, it's also far harder to hack and to customize. Um, and to put other options out there, making it inherently restricted by design. Not to mention, you can use VTTs like Rule20 and Foundry to play other systems, something highly recommended, even as a major D&D devotee uh, himself. Uh, maybe he'll be proven wrong. One D&D's high-fidelity miniature sims will blow his socks off. Speaking as a longtime TTRPG player, however, the hyped-up digital experience doesn't look that enthralling to him. Um, and he goes on to complain a little bit more. But I just, I love the scathing article because it had been saying all of the things that we've been saying. Um, and, yeah. uh, 
I, I just, I don't know who it's for. I think it's really cool that it's fully 3D and awesome, but when you have stuff, uh, I forget the name, uh, Tailspire. When you have Tailspire, why do we need a competitor that's just going to do it worse um, with fewer options? I still don't understand yeah. what they're trying to do, especially when you have, you have Baldur's Gate 3 happening right now. You have mm -hmm. this cool 3D version of D&D. Why not jump in and make it accessible? Why not make it so most of your players, which is like the majority of people that hop on, um, can just play really quickly? That's still one of the boons to D&D. D&D still... Fifth edition is easy to jump in and understand, and enough people know it to where it's almost secondhand nature. To where like you use those mechanics in other games to ease new players in. I just don't understand yeah. who this is for. Lissa, help me out here. What what are they doing? I mean, it, it just kind of sounds like they want to. And I I use this word specifically spearhead like. D, D going into the future and they want to make it as technical as possible which just means that the accessibility and the for people who don't have the equipment to run something because isn't wasn't this like designed on unity this the, or, or or like it's, yeah i think it's bigger i think it's on unreal engine 5 oh yeah unreal engine um so that's not gonna be accessible for people who don't have the right equipment for that Granted, yes, okay, when you go into sort of the nerd the nerd industry with um uh this so it it in a generalization, geeks will usually have, you know, uh, a certain amount of income, a certain amount of, you know, tech, a certain level of requirement for said tech being, you know, the how good their PC is. But because D, D is becoming bigger than just you know the main geeks the cis white men with you know middle class jobs it's it's no longer you can't assume that people are going to have that kind of tech to be able to run this kind of game and be able to afford you know this kind of like virtual tabletop because it it, it gets expensive like being a nerd being a geek is expensive just downright yeah full bad. stop but I don't know. It's like it's they want to spearhead something to the point where like they are overlooking the people who are coming into the industry who may not be the people who would be able to use this thing. Like, granted, they say, yeah, you could always play fifth edition, but this is the next new thing. <laughs> so by that statement, they're already like discluding everybody new who doesn't have access to it. And I mean, like, based on even just, like, stuff with, like, Magic Magic the Gathering and, like, how expensive that got to be. And people, like, dropping out like flies because just they just keep putting things out, putting things out, and it's just getting expensive, expensive, and it's impossible to keep up. Like, I just see this same sort of thing happening just with D&D, in a way, if that makes sense. No, 100% makes sense, and that's exactly where I was thinking. Especially because I think we would have no argument and we'd honestly be fine with this if they had two versions like we've talked about if they had a yeah. simplified easy to use roll 20-esque thing and then the really fancy thing because right now i use a combination of those you know i don't like vtts but when i do use them i use something uh like tailspire i won't talk about it because it's not an official release thing um but it's it's like tailspire it's full 3d and very awesome it can use lots of different stuff and then when I do actually play online with friends in like a, a virtual space that we need some visualization, we just use Roll20. 
that's just, yeah. just as simple as that. Or, <laughs> more often than not, just Google Sheets. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, yeah. We something. Because, like you said, not everybody can run these. And I think if they if they would have taken that into account, I think it would have been fine. But the idea that they're trying to price people out, it's... Uh, executives understand video games poorly, but they understand them to a certain extent, and they still don't understand mm-hmm. TTRPGs. So when they said, hey, make this video game, basically... Um, that made sense to them, and I think it's yeah. going to be a big hit and a miss uh, for the larger community. I think people are going to use it, and people love Tailspire. People love the the cooler aspects of Foundry. People are going to mm-hmm. use the system for sure, and it looks dope. The majority of people aren't, though. It's it's just not yeah. going to be available. You know, like they they couldn't if they wanted to. Even if you, Lissa, right? Like you were like, I love this. I want to use this. You fucking couldn't use it. Like, no, I could. I fucking couldn't use it. And like to go off your point about like um, Baldur's Gate, the the computer game. Uh, the the prerequisite or like the what Larian was working at before uh, they did started working on Baldur's Gate was uh, Divinity Original Sin. And I will talk about that for however long you want me to. Because it's <laughs> a, I, I, play, listen, hours, so. I, I, I have 400 hours into that game. I know Holy game shit. Pretty well. Dude, it's not, I almost have it is, 500 It is hours. not, it is, like, it is not, not a joke. joke. Like, I, it no, is listen, not a joke. Like the, I believe you. I, like, I've beaten that game maybe twice. I have about 120 hours. <laughs> yeah, no. We, get on we, our we, level, Terry. Get on our level. I play so, other games sometimes. To, <laughs> to, I need you too. We just love Divinity. <laughs> to to get to my point, um, Divinity Original Sin Two has a what I think it's called. A, it's not a game master mode, but it's a, it's like a, a what is it called, Charday? I can't. Remember no, it either. is. It is a game. It's, it's game master mode, yeah. and essentially, you can make your own map. You can make your own story as like a game master and then you can have put you can put monsters you can change their stats you can have care yeah player yeah you can make players player characters are players make their own characters when they have the game essentially they load into the map and then they can essentially play it as play D as a video game made by somebody using sort of the tools that they use to make divinity original sin which is accessible to a game master if they wanted to you know create like a very D-esque computer i computer game version mm-hmm. of it and that's so like it's, it's already in existence yeah. yeah and that's been around for since divinity original sin 2 has been around that's many years already right. And, and they've so, talked about wanting to do a mode like that in Baldur's Gate 3, but it'd be very yeah. difficult. Yeah, I, I, I specifically, like, I, I specifically yeah. when it came out, I was just like, I, they need to do this because Larian's already done this. Yeah, and they've already done it. Somewhere down they, the they've road already they have, like, they already know what they're doing. They've tried it before. Like, it's, it's, it's already in existence. They've done it. And if they do it again for Baldur's Gate 3, what is the point of this other thing that they're doing? Other than to uh, make it bigger, I don't think. Better, well, here's the thing: official. Now that now that D and D has this official thing, I, I don't think we're gonna see it in Baldur's Gate. Like I was hypothesizing, exactly. they would do it in Baldur's Gate before the VTT was announced. But now that the VTT is announced, I don't think Baldur's Gate's gonna have a mode, which I think is a damn shame. Well, Larry because they could have they didn't take care it. of it because, it, like you said, they'd done it before and they knew how to blend a video game and a 
Yeah, they've already they, they've said that they, they had quotes for it, won't. but they they said that they weren't going to do it because not just be like probably because VTT partly, but also just because it would be too much work because of how polished they're trying to make Baldur's Gate three. Um, that it would be next to impossible with all the options that they put in there. It'd just be too difficult to th- throw in. You'd be it, they'd have to basically put in a mode to make your own video game. Um, yeah. So they've kind of decided against it. Yeah, which is, it's a shame, but you can understand it. And now that the VTT is coming out, we're probably never going to see that. Like, no matter how many much people ask for it, because it's tied to D&D and because D&D wanted, wanted to do it themselves, or the executives wanted, like, a bigger slice of the pie. And, like, so a lot of the trouble that games that have had a GM mode have, so when you go that in depth, like, if, if you take the suite, say that you had this GM mode in Baldur's Gate 3, or you could be the DM and make your own campaign, or even one shot, whatever. Um, making a dungeon in there because there's so many options because it's such a fully fledged RPG where you know you have dialogue options and you can put in you know they have different sound cues and these monsters that pop up. If you were to do that, it would be such a labor of love. You wouldn't be able to do it mm-hmm. every session. It would take so long. When I've used Tailspire and things. Um, uh, closer to video game suites for D&D. The reason why I've backed off from it is because at my table, I don't even use miniatures, right? We do all theater of the mind for the like the most part, for the majority of my games that can be done that way. Um, it's just so much work to add in that extra level. If you toss in video games and all the things that you can do with that full suite, it's a really cool idea. It, it, quadruples the amount of prep time that you need easily if not you know does it exponentially it's just not a feasible thing at the end of the day that's partly why you play with imagination well yeah and also it it, it can it can appeal to a very specific type of game and a very specific type of dm or gm who wants to make that their big like prep thing Mm -hmm. and that is completely valid like if you as a gm love like your like love language like every dm and gm has their own love language like they have a part of dming that is just their bread and butter maybe it's all of it but in my experience most dms gms have like one maybe like maximum two or three things that they really really love doing and they will continue to do that and that's where the majority of their prep work goes because they love it so much and there are GMs and DMs out there who love building maps, who love doing that. And that this could speak to those types of DMs and GMs, especially if they are remote and they use VTTs. But that's not, I would say, the majority of games. It's a portion of it, but it's not the majority. And it also might, for DMs and GMs who that's not where they spend most of their energy planning once players know that this is an option like maybe player expectations will go up and dms and gms will feel pressured to do it even though they really don't want to and the dm and gm should be having about as much fun as the players so like they shouldn't be doing stuff that they don't want to do they should be doing stuff that brings them joy because it's their game too so it's just it's just a mixed bag this whole situation <laughs> and it will it'll make some games it'll accelerate them it will make it accelerate is probably not the right word elevate that's the word i was looking yeah. for yeah. it might elevate some 
And for the games that this will work for, it'll work really well. And I think it'll work the best remotely and with people who have really good gaming setups and it'll be great. Or people who play like with a screen at their table and want, they have one computer and they project it or something like a setup that is built for this will do really, really, really well for this. But for the rest of the games, it's probably a miss. And that's, I think, a bigger portion, which is unfortunate because we should all be cheering for something like this. But because we've already seen stuff like this before and all the stuff that we've seen isn't necessarily like that innovative and there's not really a whole lot to be excited about, it's just kind of meh for the majority of other games. I think it'll speak to some players. I think some players are very excited about this. Like, uh, I love painting miniatures. I love uh, customizing them. I use a lot of polymer clay. I'll take an old hero clicks figure that's some random Marvel character and I'll slowly turn it into a wizard that I can use for D and D. However, Sharday, how many times have you seen me use miniatures in our games? I mean, we used like I think we used Hero Clicks like really, really early on in our Forgotten Realms campaign. But yeah, I think like, like maybe, maybe one session. half. No, like I would say like maybe like the first like month or two. Oh, okay. but then it slow. But then it slowly like started getting edged out because we were getting into battles that were more spontaneous, I think, and like 100%. you didn't plan for. And then we just we all like jived with theater of the mind. So we're just like, yeah, well, we'll just keep doing this. If we need miniatures, we'll go get them. But if we're cool with describing stuff and we know where we are and we know what we can and can't do, we're good. And that's the thing is, like, I love the miniature aspect of D&D. It's really, really cool, and it scratches a different itch for me. But uh, the spontaneity that you can have if you're not using it, I think, outweighs Mm -hmm. it for our table. I've played at tables, though, where it's not. We only play the encounters that are planned. And if there's an encounter that's not planned, they bust out different miniatures. It's not quite as bespoke, but it's still, like, you know, there's still options for you there. And it's still, you still pull out all the miniatures and you find figures that, like, we don't have a goblin one, but we have one that kind of looks like it. So we'll set them up. Right. I'm curious, too, before I'm sure we have another topic to get to. But I'm curious because, say, you're more of a player than you are a DMGM. Like, your prep time doesn't go into, <laughs> into like, building stuff. So I'm wondering, like, as a player, do you have a preference? Do you like – I know you're a visual person, but I know at least at my table sometimes we've been playing around with theater of the mind. Do you have, like, a preference? Do you see the merits of both? Like, what, what are your thoughts as, like, a player who's viewing this VTT stuff and who's played, like, different kind of versions of seeing a battle map, either in your mind or, like, online in a Google Doc? <laughs> so I have played with Megan. Um, I tried out playing, I think it was on Foundry. We used a mm-hmm. virtual tabletop. And mm-hmm. it does, it's, it's, it's like an interesting combination of understanding like a very complex it it helps understand like a very complex structure so we were going into like a building there was a it was a castle it was many rooms you know many hallways and I know for a fact that it's been confusing a couple sessions sometimes when you know you don't really understand okay so there's one room on the left, there's one room on the right, but, like, if I go down this hallway, what's, you know, at the end of the hallway, you know, when you're doing theater of the mind, stuff like that. So, it is 
it's a different experience to be able to like see the actual map and then i think with that one specifically it sort of as you moved into spaces it like lit up and mm -hmm. other spaces so it it was darkened cool. and then it lit up and it was very like interactive in that way which was very cool but i it it only hmm. i do like the fact of theater of the mind because it allows for me to input what I think it would look like based on the DM's description. Mm -hmm. And there's like that freedom of imagination that goes for me. Okay, granted, like depending on how well you communi communicate or like the DM communicates, like the idea of what's happening, sometimes there's miscommunication involved. Like, was it a stage? Was it a step? Like, how tall was it? And. Mm -hmm miscommunication happens but i think i sort of prefer theater of the mind most of the time i i don't mind mm -hmm. playing virtual tabletop you know mm -hmm. every now and then but it's very limited because you have to have you have to keep getting new maps you have to keep yeah. getting like it, it's so much more effort and prep for the dm unless it's like a ready to thing in which case you have to pay more for it in order to mm -hmm. get new maps in order to and i mean there's a whole business there for people who make maps and mm -hmm. i understand that like you know that's amazing for them but like in 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 its simplicity i'm used to the kind of theater of the mind game where like you explain to me that you know it looks like this it gives these vibes and then i picture it however i want and i don't necessarily know that what you're describing is what i'm picturing but it doesn't really matter no because it is it's theater of the mind and yeah. it's my version of the theater that you're trying to build mm -hmm. and there might be like, there might be five different do, yeah, yeah. But as uh, as long as everybody know, is on the same page about like who's where and doing what, like it's mm -hmm. there might be five different versions of the theater you're describing. But you know it, that it, that doesn't matter. But no. if you're doing virtual tabletop, then that's like a you know exactly what things look like because it's it's right there. Yeah. Like you you can see it. Mm -hmm. And there's definitely there's an mm -hmm. ease there. There like I've always enjoyed handing somebody a thing. Or setting it down on the table and people are going, oh, wow, you know, like, look at that dragon type. Yeah, there, like, there cool is, part, like, the beauty, but... the beauty, there is the beauty on the virtual tabletop. There is the beauty of, like, seeing, like, oh, wow, somebody actually made this. Somebody made the map and, like, oh, wow, this technology exists that I can move my character into that room and, like, the room lights up. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I can't see behind that pillar, so everything's dark. So I can't, like, have a bird's eye view of everything as I could if I was on an Excel sheet and we made, made like, the room. So I would know exactly that that's that corner. And so, like, there there's different things that, you know, but it, it's all part of, like, I, I mean, I guess, I guess it depends on, like, what you prefer. Yeah. And, but, it, yeah, it does change, like, how you experience the story, depending mm -hmm. on what you use. And it's just a For question sure. of preferences, really. Uh, yeah, what the group wants. Yeah.
Uh, well, it seems like once again we've come to an impasse. <laughs> we don't. Have to... <laughs> uh, it's uh, different strokes for different folks. Uh, but I really enjoyed that read. <laughs> it was it was very fun. Like Harvey's write up was very scathing. So I was like, I wanted to see if you were entertained by it as much as we were. I hope you enjoyed our Eye of the Beholder slash Village Crier section. So moving on to our final segment of the day, Bardic Inspiration. This is where we talk about all the things the TTRPGs have inspired away from the gaming table. Um, sometimes still at the gaming table, which we'll get into this week. Um, first up, Larian Studios put out a pretty in-depth update video on their character creation for Baldur's Gate 3. Um, I want to talk about this because uh, they had a lot of cool shit in there. <laughs> like the, I didn't... Yeah. Like, I've played the, the early access version. I haven't played it, uh, admittedly, in the last... I would say last year, I've kind of tried to stay away from it because I want to be really excited when I go into the final release in August. Um, mm -hmm. So I haven't seen a lot of these updates, but man, have they gone so hard into the character creation. I'm so excited. Down to like mm -hmm. what type of tail you can have for your Dragonborn. You can give your characters vitiligo and have like different pigmentation scrapes mm -hmm. away from their, their skin colors. Like they went really hard. So um, if you're really excited about Larian Studios' upcoming game, uh, go check out their TikTok and be like, more the videos excited. up on their YouTube. <laughs> yeah, be more excited. Just look at all the shit that you can make. Um, but I was really excited about it. Did you two get a chance to watch that video? Oh, 100%. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. are, you, yep. are, you, are you shitting my dad? Yep. Of course I did. And I'm, they still haven't released an Xbox date. I'm watching you. I am, oh my gosh. I'm, I'm, I literally told my friend who has a PS5. Not you, Terry, the other one, the ah. other friend that I know has PS5, <laughs> that I'm invading their house specifically to play until I can play on my Xbox, which is what I've done for a couple of games before I got my new Xbox that can support newer games. So, like, I'm like, I'm going to be over your house and I'm going to be playing this and I'm going to be banging the vampire elf and there's literally nothing you can do I about mean, it. And like, they're okay if, with it. If they so. get uncomfortable at all, come on over. Uh, I have a gigantic flat screen you can play my PS5 on. I'll be playing on my PC um i will i'll do that too i'll yeah, do like, all those you're things always you're always welcome uh especially during the school yeah. year because i'm <laughs> yeah. over here and my kids are at school so you can bang all the elves you want to over on my couch uh i can put um, headphones on also, i don't even have to see it on top of you know banging elves which we all know i'm going to do um i was really happy to see all the character creations i mean this is like the bazillion time listen i are going to name drop this but in divinity original sin 2 one of the big setbacks that i had with it was the lack of character creation like they have a bunch of preset characters that you can make and they you can create your own character but the character customization options aren't a lot and as somebody who thrives in an rpg with character creation like i spent i will spend up to an hour in yeah. character creation and th creating that my just, perfect like, works character. so much better for like the pre-made characters a hundred percent. Like I can see why they did it that yeah. way. I can totally understand. So when I saw they were doing, you know, D and D, I wasn't really even thinking character creation would be a focus for them. And I wasn't necessarily thinking that would be a bad thing as long as I could create um the character that I wanted. Like they had the player character races from the player's handbook. They had like all of the uh the base like classes like that's really all i cared about so the fact that they released like a really really in-depth character creator was surprising to me but in like the best possible mm -hmm. way like i was very impressed like i was not expecting that which so i i'm all about it and i can't be more 
excited. And I also, I mean, I was there when the the bear scene broke the internet, so that was really fun too to watch. I listen. I already knew that there was stuff like that in there, and watching other people discover Baldur's yeah. Gate three through the bear video has been so much fun. I got so many messages from friends who were like. This is D and D, right? And I was like, yeah. And then 100%, I was like, yeah. Is this what you do? And I was like, sometimes. Like, <laughs> have you not had a character transform into a bear and then have somebody bang him? Like, I was like what, it depends what game on are the you game. Playing? Like, I have games where that doesn't come close to happening, and then I have games where that's the only thing that happens. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And that's why D and D is just the best game. TTRPGs in general are just the best. It's just make believe yeah. with your friends, and sometimes there's rules. That's all. That's that's as simple as mm-hmm. that. And uh, the weirder Lissa, the friends, the better the game. Exactly. Um, Lissa, any thoughts before we move on to the next one? I love Larian Studios and everything <laughs> turns to gold. Thank you. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. Well, well said. Mm-hmm. Well spoken. Well said, um, yeah. Moving on, Coyote and Crow Games Wolves board game announced. This is exciting. Another game in the Coyote and Crow universe. Um, but continuing their trend of just like, hey, let's branch the fuck out and make lots of different stuff. Um, this is a full on board game. So it's got card game aspects. It's got board game stuff going on. It's in that universe. Um, but definitely not a TTRPG. I don't think too much more needs to be said into it. We don't cover a lot of board game stuff here. I was just excited that they're still branching out in that universe. Um, Wolves is a semi-cooperative, family-friendly game for three to six players from uh, Connor Alexander, the creator of the Coyote and Crow role-playing game. Players take on the mantle of leaders of communities working to survive through a harsh winter. You'll need to gather resources and, more importantly, strategize how best to share them with other players in need. If any community fails, everyone loses the game. So I was really excited about that. So it's not just like, oh, it's like you kind of work together to beat a bad guy, but there's a winner. No, no, no. It's it's about like everybody surviving. There's still a winner that's crowned, like who did it best. But if anybody mm-hmm. loses, you all lose. I like that aspect because that really... Yeah, um, teamwork. Exactly. And a lot of those games, like one of my favorite games of all time, Anachrony, is about, uh, so it's a very similar idea where you have all of your resources and you're trying to best the other communities, but you can time travel to the future and borrow resources from yourself. But one day you have to complete the loop and pay it back. Um, Mm -hmm. But that game, like specifically, you want the other communities to fail. You're trying to just beat them. Um, it's mm-hmm. just about being mean to your friends, like Monopoly. <laughs> like, uh, so having a game where it's like, no, 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 you want to win, but if they lose, you also lose. So I thought that that was a cool yeah. twist. Um, I like it. Yes. So I'm going to pick up Wolves. You should also go pick up Wolves. You can pick it up for 55 bucks, which I know, oh, wow, that sounds expensive. It's not for board games. <laughs> like, that is... Uh, for um, in-depth ones, yeah. Very much. I look at my board game table, I'm like, ah... I have a shelf that's in the 50 um, range. That's like the my mid-tier expenses. Mm-hmm. Um, most of them are closer to 100, 120. Uh, so I'm looking at my Power Rangers uh, game, which is the one I've probably spent the most on other than Gloomhaven. I have probably about mm-hmm. $600 worth of Power Rangers uh, stuff. So Humble yeah. brag. Mm-hmm. It's not a brag. It's uh, definitely a disappointment when it comes to money. <laughs> Uh, to be fair, I spent most of that back when I worked in corporate, so like I could afford it. Mm. I don't yeah. buy Power Rangers uh, miniatures for my board game anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Once you become a full-time artist, you give up things like board games and eating, and uh, <laughs> you just you just double down on the art. The art will sustain mm-hmm. you. Everybody knows this. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> Art and exposure. Art and exposure. Oh man, love being paid in exposure. Love it. I love it. That's love great. that. I love can feed so that. many of my children in exposure. It's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so go check out Wolves. Uh, final story of the day. This is just a quick little ad talking about how Sam Reich is the best Nepo baby. I think uh, we've said that here before, and I'll stand by it. Um, Sam Reich of Dropout. If you don't know, Dropout, formerly College Humor. They make lots of good shows like Dimension 20, one of the uh, bigger names in actual plays on the internet. Um, uh, Sam Reich confirmed that most of their shows are SAG and are currently shut down. Um, there's a possibility for an exemption from SAG-AFTRA, and uh, also that they've already been paying above the SAG and WGA minimums. They've really been about their their people there at that company, and uh, that's partly why Dropout was made. It was to keep everybody employed when College Humor wasn't doing so well and kind of got screwed over by um, Facebook and several other companies. But uh, yeah. the idea that they were going to try to keep going was still in place when it was just WGA. They, they had gotten waivers, and now with SAG, they're shutting down. But they have a lot of content already in um, in the bag. They're, they're good for about a year, so you'll still get more seasons of Dimension 20 for a little while. So mm-hmm. if you're sad about that going away during the strike, they still have lots of content to pump out, but they're not trying to scab. And they're not who... You know, people are striking against anyways. They're not part of the AMTV, uh, AMTP, uh, AMBTP. Um, but Dropout records well in advance of air and has material in the can for over a year. And they're moving through post-production. So we're still going to get those shows, but Dropout is awesome. And this is just a little story about how they're awesome. I got that from uh, Emily Friedman over on Twitter. Dr. Emily Friedman. Uh, don't forget the doctor. So uh, any Never thoughts on that doctor. one, gang? I I was uh, curious as soon as the SAG strike happened because I know that the especially the folks in um, the higher echelon of actual play like the Dimension Twenties and the critical roles they have like their full time job outside of being in actual plays are being actors or being comedians. Word. So I was very curious how it was going to impact actual play. And we still don't one hundred percent know how it's impacting at least critical role. I think they're. I haven't heard anything that they're going to stop doing shows. I think they are not SAG, or they haven't said. They haven't really said a whole heck of a lot, which Critical is Role isn't SAG, but several people in Critical Role are SAG. In Critical Role are SAG, exactly. Yeah. So, like, I don't know if they're going the waiver route. I don't know what the specifics are for the SAG actors who are in Critical Role, if they can still produce Critical Role because it's not a SAG show. I'm not 100% sure, but... I was very curious when the SAG strike happened, how it would affect actual plays, specifically big wigs and actual plays, like the actual plays that are just like, I don't want to say mid tier because of quality, but like mid tier in terms of like, not as many people know about them because they don't have the budget and the production of the big guys. Um, like I thought those, those are probably going to be fine, but like the bigger ones I was very curious about. So it was, it was good to see like an actual clarification statement on it mm-hmm. because I was very curious. <laughs> and uh, so th- there's a couple of different quotes. Charlie Hall did a piece over on Polygon about this, basically to get to the gist of it, go, go read Charlie's article. But the idea is uh, they stay in solidarity, but they're not really affected. It's not really going to change anything from the actual. Yeah. Okay. Standpoint. Okay. Um, yeah, I figured. You're still going to get critical role. 
Um, you're still like uh, Glass Cannon's still making stuff, even though they have members of SAG on there. Oh, I so didn't. Wasn't Glass Cannon the one that made a really dumb statement? Yes, about and it. And then clarifying yeah. that's exactly why the article was written. And then Charlie reached out. Was <laughs> like, "Hey, I'm going to reach out to everybody else too. Let's see. Let's." That's where Sam Reich had the big quote talking about Dimension Twenty going lo- longer. Um, there's, uh, there's another one in here from Critical Role. I'm trying to find the actual quote. Um, but yeah, so you're still getting them. They, they, you know, you'll probably hear them talking about the strike since a lot of people involved in all the shows are SAG, but, um, it's, I, I, I'm of two minds of this. It's same thing with like comics. So a lot of comic creators are both going to San Diego Comic-Con and boycotting it, right? Because, yeah. The comic creators yeah. that are boycotting are like, hey, this has become a thing for Disney Studios and and the and like the bigger mm-hmm. movie companies to just kind of pitch their shit. It's not really about comics. And then there's other comic mm-hmm. creators who are like, hey, we're gonna try to take it back this year because like we're boycotting it to fuck them, but um, now maybe people will come check out our comics now. Um, mm-hmm. And I I completely understand both sides of it. Um, it's the same reason why creators from SAG and WGA haven't said, hey, boycott streamers yet. Like, people yeah. still need to work. There, there are certain aspects of that. But maybe avoid the stuff from those big creators. You know, obviously the people who are involved with the AMPTP. So it's definitely nuanced. And you can't just go, well, yeah. they shouldn't be making Critical Role because everyone's on strike. Well, it's a different thing. Um, I think that you should pay attention to why people are still working um, and what they're working on because while it is nuanced, you can find out that nuance. It is not impossible to figure out, you know, (laughs) when you see like TikTok creators, that was the big discourse over the weekend, right? Is that TikTok creators were still showing up at premieres and shit. Like, well, that's scabbing. Uh, So pay attention to it. Just because they have a good reason doesn't mean it's not scabbing sometimes too. So it's... Yeah, uh, and just like look at the look at the guidelines that the people who are like the WGA and SAG are putting out for Mm -hmm. people who are creating content as well. And as long as they're staying, like as long as the people who are creating content are staying within the guidelines, the people who are striking are putting out, Mm -hmm. like don't harass them or anything, but if they're going against it, then yeah, hold them, hold them accountable. Don't again, harassment's not going to do. We would never say go harass people, but you can be vocal. No. Yeah. Be vocal about it. And like, like know that, let them know that you're paying attention but i just think this this strike stuff that's happening i've been thinking it since the wga strike and you know how all those rumors were floating around months ago that sag might strike like this this strike is going we're not going to see the implications of it for a couple of months still mm-hmm. but when we see that implication like i have absolutely no doubt in my mind that Um, online content is going to blow up even more so than it already has because it is a lot of it is outside of SAG. And that's the last time we had a big strike like this in the entertainment industry. That's when reality TV started becoming huge because they didn't have any writers and like, well, what can you produce without any writers? Oh, reality TV. Let's put all of our money into that. So I'm thinking we're going to see a lot more attention and a lot more mainstream eyes on streamed content. Like, video game streams, any other sort of Twitch streams, content creators, YouTubers, actual plays. Comic books. That, like, that, like it's going to, they're going to be a lot 
of eyes on it, I think, in the next coming month. So that's how I'm hoping. I'm hoping I'm that we, we see books and comic books blowing up again. I'm I'm really excited that so many different um uh people from the WGA and SAG have gotten um waivers to go make independent films. Like I'm excited yeah. about this mm-hmm. aspect. I'm not excited that people had to go on strike for no. the um like production companies to even give a shit. You know, those big studios, you know, pay their fucking people. Um, so it sucks that they had to go on strike to get the attention, but I'm excited to see what comes out of it uh, all the way around. Uh, getting these people paid, which what they deserve. Like if, if we if it sounded like we were skirting around it, we're not. <laughs> I support union workers. I don't think that that's a controversial thing. I think it's kind of dumb if you don't. But uh, yeah, you go fall in a hole. Pro union, fuck capitalism. Exactly. <laughs> um but uh i'm excited to see what comes out of it like you said reality tv sucked <laughs> I, I was really it disappointed sucked. by that so like happening. i'm i'm not exactly excited i'm curious well, I'm, i don't think I'm reality not tv excited, can happen again i don't think the studios yeah. have the same kind of leverage they had last time to push something like that i think you're gonna see more no. tiktok stars try to cross over and they're gonna do that but i don't think it's gonna go as well this is a yeah. much bigger labor movement um yeah it is it is different this time like you have the actors you have other it's spilling into other industries in the way that it didn't last time so it's gonna have it's gonna be a lot more it's gonna be a lot different so keeping i don't know it's gonna affect every industry including the nerd industry including ttrpgs so it's gonna be very interesting to watch (laughs) exactly and like the the other thing i'm excited for like i'm excited for other industries to maybe do well during the strike like like i said i want i want comic books to flourish i work in comic books so obviously that'd be cool um Mm -hmm. and independent films are going to be doing really well because that's what's going to replace stuff for now the other thing i'm excited about when it comes to this is seeing that the unions are trying to find solidarity and point out that like they have a content creator aspect of SAG. Um, and yeah. the writers have been trying to expand the guild. Um, and I don't think that that means there's going to be comic book guilds popping up anytime soon, um, even though they've tried a little bit. Um, the workers are like image unionized, for example. But like mm-hmm. expanding into like maybe, you know, actual plays maybe the fact that they're falling into this gray area makes them talk and possibly come up with an idea to create a guild or join an already existing aspect of the wga these conversations are actually happening now because of all this gray area that's popped up um that's why sag has been quick to point out like hey we have a content creators guild um so i i'm excited to see that the labor movement might expand to the nerdier aspects that were sure. niche a few years ago and now have become somewhat mainstream. Um, it'd be mm-hmm. really interesting to see if, if some sort of actual play guild pops up. I don't think it's that far fetched anymore. Um, no. I remember when the writers over at Kotaku unionized a few years ago, and it was all of Vox Media, all of their their different platforms, IO9, Gizmodo, K- Kotaku. When they unionized, it was a big deal, and it was really surprising to people that you could mm-hmm. unionize in such a niche aspect where it was just like nerdy journalism that focused really like heavily on like one specific community for each of their sites right like you you know you had the root and you had um the mary sue and all these like really really specific ones um but like the idea or jezebel sorry not the mary sue um but the idea that they they did it really woke people up and i think this is the second wave of that 
it'd be really cool to see uh, a DMs guild or a comic book guild for writers or, or for actual play actors. And I think it's really important that these uh, conversations are happening because so often they were looked down on. Like, people look at actual play mm-hmm. actors or it's the same way they look at voice voice actors before. Where it's like, oh, they're voice actors. They're not actors. They're voice yeah. actors. So mm-hmm. I'm just excited that those conversations are happening. I'm sorry I rambled for so long. Um, <laughs> it's just important. It, it was important stuff that needed to be said. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, before we go, Lissa, is there anything for you to add? Being uh, very far away from this labor movement. <laughs> <laughs> Being in the uh, the land where protests are becoming illegal. <laughs> uh, pay people what they're worth. Pay artists what they're worth. Unionize. Hell yeah. Woo! Um, That's it. And as Lissa's carted <laughs> off to jail, uh, Scotland Yard's <laughs> going to be knocking on your door any minute. Um, yeah. uh, let's wrap this up. Thank you so much for listening to us ramble about unions and lots of other things. Um, if you like this, head on over to campykillcreations.com and get all of our other content over there for free. But if you liked it a lot, a lot, a lot, you can head over to patreon.com slash campykillcreations. Um, back us for a buck or two. Get early content, bonus content, Slovenly Trolls After Dark, Bitches and Books Book Club, Shardy's Lore Rewrites. Lots of cool shit over there. Go do that. You can find me on Twitter at Resident Seville or CBKC Comics. Um, you can find me at... Uh, uh, CBK comics on uh, TikTok. That's where I'm most active. I make lots of TikToks. I'm an influencer, baby. Uh, come and follow me. I make funny memes about comic books. And if you like those memes, maybe check out my comic book, Tokyo Fire. It's on zoop.gg. It's like Kickstarter, but for comics. It's really easy to understand. It's a cyberpunk uh, revolution movement. The workers are on strike in that world, too. So if you like that idea, you can go there. But there's more superpowers and cyberpunk motorcycles and people who are wearing leather and lighting buildings on fire it's a very crazy comic book go check it out um you can see the preview over at campykillcreations.com slash comics if you uh didn't understand any of the words i said and just want to look at some of the pictures you can do that uh, i i write it uh, my pen name is t.s luther my artist on this project is sky hawkins we co-created it together uh his work is fucking amazing he looks kind of like the gorillas uh anime style so Go check that out, please. Uh, Sharday, where can the people find you online? They can find me as the bestestestest host of the Slavily Trolls podcast, where we talk about D&D history and lore and all the problematic stuff that's in it uh, in order to learn more about it and do better at our own tables and make the TTRPG space just better overall for everybody i run the slovenly trolls twitter at slovenly trolls and occasionally the tiktok which is also at slovenly trolls hell yeah um also i wanted to know if you want to email us you can do so can be killed creations at gmail.com uh or if you want to find us on twitter at cave trolls pod uh listen where can the people find you online I do not exist. I am a figment of everyone's collective imagination. Um, Mm -hmm. But the Slovenly Trolls have an Instagram and now a Threads account. Um, (gasps) Wow. And uh, they're, yeah, Cave Trolls Pod is the Twitter account for Cave Trolls, which, to be honest, is Twitter still a thing or has it died? I'm hoping it dies. That's why I kind of stopped plugging my Twitter and and being as active. Yeah, I I just, I. 
I haven't even posted anything on the Cape Trolls Twitter because I'm just like it's, it's burning. To be fair, it's, it's burning. What's the point? <laughs> Every time I post anything about comic books, I get like three or four really cool like people talking to me, and then like a thousand right wing trolls, and I'm just kind of over it. <laughs> yeah. Especially when your post gets like over, I will, let's say like a thousand impressions or whatever. That's when all of like the Twitter blue verified accounts come in and start calling you. Um, a what 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 was it that they called us the other day? Um, illiterate sexists. Yeah, and I don't. Yeah, I don't know how how that works. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they call us. <laughs> Masters degrees and being. Mm women uh i don't i don't it doesn't add up a lot to me but that's okay um but just let let we'll just leave we'll just go Mm -hmm. somewhere else um i i'm i'm still i don't know if i'm moving to threads i don't know i don't like i've i kind of boycotted uh all of meta's stuff um instagram and and facebook and i've dabbled a little bit on those two i just don't like them i like the idea that they're being an alternative to twitter that's doing well I was there for Mastodon and Blue Sky and yeah. Pocket Rides was another one that I that I was a part of. I've done a few. I just I like Threads the best, which sucks. Like <laughs> I'm looking at it, I'm like, well, they put the money into it the time. This is Twitter, but not Twitter. Um, I just don't. Mm-hmm. I just hate Meta, and I just was really Everybody hoping I was done with them. <laughs> hate the Zuck. Hate them. I do. I mean, I hate both. <laughs> I hate both mm-hmm. for the same reasons, but also different ones. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see. I might get peer pressured over there. <laughs> if enough people go, you just have to. You know what I mean? Like that's just part of the. It's the nature. If you of have these. listen, if if you have content and you have to have a presence online, unfortunately, you you kind of have to. You gotta like, go where the people are. Ariel, you have style. to go where the people are. Yeah. And I want to be where the people are. Uh, mm. And on that note, we have been the cave trolls, and we're sorry, and we're out. <laughs> and that is it. Once again, we have that special time where we get to thank our Patreon producers. Right now, we have Kim Winson, Jeremy Raymond, The Lorax, and Trellbot. Thank you so much for helping us keep the lights on, the mics rolling. You keep chicken sandwiches in our pockets, and you keep us having fun on the mic. Thank you so much.